everyone, this is Sam with Paranormal Review, and this uh, podcast is dealing with Ghost Hunters Season 1, Episode 2. Now, this is the new Ghost Hunters. This is the one with Grant by himself. Um, when they are in the listings for this, uh, A&E has termed this Season 1. So, it w- showed... August 28th of 2019, and it was called, uh, titled Lady in the Window. It's dealing with the uh, Pillars Estate that is in Albion, New York, and dealing with Tony McMurtry. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys that, like the Ghost Adventures Halloween episode that I reviewed, I did some extra research. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the episode, and then at the end, I'm going to talk about what has been found out since, and what I found out that didn't show on the actual TV show. So... One thing is, is if you haven't seen this one, you may want to look it up and watch it on A&E.com and make sure that you see it before you hear it because, uh, like I said, I have some updates that that I want to share with you guys. Um, I told you uh, last episode that we dealt with the new Ghost Hunters that I kind of like this team he was putting together. I uh, I like Grant Wilson. He seems like a genuine guy. Um, I like how he starts this off and says that he, he does this now to make people who are terrified or feel like they're in a crisis situation to feel empowered. Um, he's not out looking for, you know, black shadows and demons and ghosts um he wants the show to portray real people and what they're going through and what the actual team finds so we meet tony who you know is scottish and has a obvious accent that he bought the house uh, that we're dealing with here, the Pillar Estates, and he said that actually it probably should have just been demolished, but he decided to renovate it, and he said that um, he, he had some pictures taken of the house and that he sent them to his father, And he followed up with a phone call. And his dad's first question was, you know, who is the lady in the window? And Timmy said, I I don't know what you're talking about. And he went back through the pictures. And there is a picture of a lady in the front window. And he said that he had had several housekeepers quit because of some bad feelings. Um... Tony said that he wants to sell, but he he feels like this house is holding him back, and it's holding buyers back, and he doesn't really know what to do. So, like I said, I'm going to deal with this whole particular thing that I've just talked about at the end of the of this podcast because um it colors how you see things because I almost wish I would have 
did this podcast and and recorded it and then went back and added the section at the end instead of you know going through research and and looking some updates up and and things like that because it kind of colors what I'm gonna say to you guys and I I don't want to do that I enjoy this show I like I said I've only watched two episodes of it but I feel like it's very entertaining um do I learn anything I don't know um I thought it was interesting the first episode being about a high school I you know I learned about a different part of the country in that high school I watched them debunk a lot and then this one with this being the pillars of state up in New York you know I learned a lot of, of different history of you know the Carr family and so I still find this episode entertaining and everything, but I want you guys to know, um, I took some notes on this, and some of my notes, looking back on them, I'm like, "Mm, is this really true or not? Because the next thing that I wrote down was, Mustafa seems like he does excellent research. That's that's one of the things I wrote down. Um, He found out that there had a book written on the estate by the owners that bought it in 1912 their grandchildren actually wrote a book on the pillars of state and the Carr family and he talks about how he wants to go interview these these grandchildren and kind of find out what they think of the house and and what they seem to to feel and everything um Tony says that he bought the house in 2006, and since this was filmed in 2019, he's owned it about 13 years. He says that he's come to find after renovating it and making it look as as nice as he has, and the film on it, um, on the episode, it looks beautiful. I would love to go visit there one day. The ballroom just looks gorgeous. Um, but he found it to be too big for one person. Now, I wrote down hard to believe because I really do find that hard to believe because as they start this episode, they start showing pictures of this house. You can see the from the road, from the driveway that they're driving down. This house is humongous. Um, it's not called an estate for anything. So he had to have known when he bought this that it was a little big for one person. Now, I don't know, maybe his circumstances and his life changed. Maybe he was thinking that he was going to get married or, or that he you know, was going to have kids or adopt kids or, or something like that. And then he needed a bigger house and his life has now changed. Uh, I don't know, but, um, he, that did strike me weird as him saying that now the house is too big. He's found it to be too big for one person because I was like, you can just tell that without even walking in. Um, you can tell that when a, a home has a ballroom in it, it's probably a little too big for one person. They also ask him, you know, has he seen any other things? And he talks about seeing a lady lying in bed at the top of the second floor in a long white nightgown. And he has heard um, the piano 
playing a high note kind of over and over. And Grant and Kristen uh, want to know a little bit more about the house. And so they they find out through um, Mustafa's research that William and Murdy Carr owned it since 1912 and that she passed away in 1943. She was wrapping Christmas presents on the second landing and did not feel well and went to her bedroom, which is also on the second floor, and had a heart attack and she passed away. Um, William got remarried to Patricia and Patricia really didn't understand or know how to do upkeep on a house this size. She really didn't like it. She uh, didn't particularly like anything, according to Murdy's grandchildren. Um, Patricia didn't like anything that was Murdy's or that Murdy used to enjoy. So she really let the house go. She kind of let it fall into shambles. And the grandchildren seem pretty excited that Tony has had it renovated and, you know, is enjoying it. Um, so, you know, this leads me to write down a note, hey, do some research and find out if this house is sold. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I want to make sure that I, I check up on that at the end. And one thing that I really enjoy uh, about Ghost Hunters, the new Ghost Hunters and the old Ghost Hunters, is that they timestamp things. I have said in numerous occasions that I wish all... TV shows, reality TV shows would do this. Um, I want Big Brother to do this. I want, you know, um, The Real Housewives. I want them to give me a date and a timestamp. I, I really like that Ghost Hunters does this because you can see how things move along um, when maybe there were dead periods and things like that. So we get to see that Lights Out is at 10.38 and... Um, you can also tell one thing that caught me um, about this particular scene when they were going through Lights Out was that there's a lot more production going in to the new Ghost Hunters than their original Ghost Hunters. Um, when I started Paranormal Review Podcast, I had not seen their original Ghost Hunters. I think I'd seen one episode of it. And I'm slowly making my way through some of the original. And you can tell the production uh, value that is going into the new Ghost Hunters is way, way more. Um, as far as the cameras they're using, the crew they're using, the different effects and, and equipment that they're using. So, I like that immediately Grant wants uh, Brian and Rochelle to head up to the attic where the lady in the picture uh, photograph was taken. And they have a hard time finding it. And I think that was interesting to me. 
I find little things um, interesting or intriguing, and that they go up on the top floor, they look, they really can't find where they're looking for, um, they go into a different area, and they find a window, but it's facing the backyard, it's, it's you know, it's not one of the front windows, um, they, Brian says, hey, maybe we should go down a floor, and so they decide, hey, let's go down a floor, let's see what's going on down there, and they eventually find, in this kind of, as they're going down these steps, you notice there's like a cutout in the wall, and uh, Brian says, well, what is this? And she turns, or shell turns the um, the latch there almost, and it is like a crawl space. And what shocked me about this was, in order to film this, they had to show how hard it was to get over to where Brian sees there's a window. You see that this actually basically is a crawl space. Rochelle's not that big, um, but she's having to bend over. She also, it doesn't, it has joists, but it doesn't really have a floor. Which means to me, Tony, I'm not real sure that he did a really good job of renovating. I think he needs uh, Homes on Homes from HGTV to come in and help renovate this house. Because obviously, he either has never been in this part of the house or something is going on because he needs to go in there and put a floor in there and figure out, you know, what's going on. Uh, but Rochelle can't stand, and she has to walk on the joist to get over there. She finds that there is almost like a beam coming down and that there are walls kind of jutting out. Looks like about six inches from the windows. She doesn't take a camera over there. I, I know that she couldn't have... Um, she took a flashlight and Brian was filming her, but I wish that she would have taken a camera over there because we could actually have saw what she saw. We could have actually seen, you know, where the walls came out and how far they came out. But Rochelle says that she doesn't believe that she can maneuver her body as small as she is to even get the angle of the face that appeared in that picture and that it just doesn't match up and and so she looks in the camera and she says i believe no one living could be in that window and i wrote that down because you know, that's a little weird statement to make that, you know, you're in the middle of this investigation. You don't really know what's going on. You don't really know what to expect. And she just kind of makes a statement like that. And they leave it in. That's, you know, she may have thought that and said that, but that the production crew who put this episode together actually left that in there. I was like, mm, I don't know about this. It just felt like there was something 
wonky going on on there. So then, next timestamp we see is 12.15. And, like I said, this is the opening, the first time that we get to see this, you know, beautiful ballroom that has the piano in it. I, I really enjoyed this section of the episode where Daryl and Grant are checking the piano. Um, I like how that is their first thing. Had some other TV shows went in there, I think their first thing would have been, hey, let's sit down on the floor and let's wait a while and see if the piano plays. And um, Grant really doesn't do that. And that's, you know, I guess one of the things that, that I enjoy about Ghost Hunters is he immediately wants to check the piano for rodents to see if, you know, there were mice in there or rats in there that could have been causing the sound that Tony heard that, um, is there any loose parts, you know, were there screws loose, was something maybe vibrating or anything, were strings broken that when they broke, they would have made the noise or anything like that. Um, I, I liked how they actually showed us um, the piano and Grant, you know, making sure that this is okay and plucking strings and everything. And then it shows at 1250 that they hear some kind of voice. So that leads me to believe, you know, for 35 minutes, they've been checking out this piano and kind of talking back and forth before, you know, they hear anything. Now, me personally, I did not hear her voice. Um, I did not really even hear noise. I rewound the DVR a couple times and never really heard anything. But, you know, they had a reaction where they heard something. Grant then starts talking, uh, you know, about and to Murdy. And they start hearing some clicks and taps. Well, let's stop there, and let's go on a rant. I do hate this about Ghost Adventures, or excuse me, Ghost Hunters. I um, can't stand how they kind of make jumps. Um, I almost wish that they would go in not thinking anything, and kind of let the evidence lead them where it may. Uh, I think that's what a lot of police officers, what, what a lot of detectives do. Um, yes, they get the history and they go on those facts, but they kind of automatically jump to the conclusion that this has to be Murdy. Does that mean that no one else has died in this house? Does this mean that it's attached to this house? Why do they think that it's Murdy and not William? Why do they not think that it's Patricia trying to scare people away to leave this house alone? She doesn't want it occupied by by someone that may like it as much as Murdy. Um, why do they not think that it's um, maybe... Uh, Murdy and William's children, that are the parents of the grandchildren that they interviewed, or that it's someone else. Um, someone had to have built the house for them, the cars to have bought it in 1912. Why do we automatically go to, oh, 
It's got to be Murdy. We've got to start talking to her. Is it because, um, you know, so many people go out there and they automatically think that there has to be a death in the house. And if it was a tragic death, such as her wrapping presents, Christmas presents, and then having a heart attack later on in the night, that they think that that's some horrific death and that she wants to stick around. I mean, this is just the skeptic in me. I'm, I'm thinking... Why do we automatically go down this route? So, to get back into the show, into this episode, we see Mustafa and Brandon on the second floor landing, where she had been um, wrapping presents. And they have gotten some trigger objects. Mustafa goes into what is a trigger object. And they had gotten some trigger objects, a box of button, a teacup, um, some other things from the grandchildren of Murdy, and you can tell that because they got them from the grandchildren and they were Murdy's, they didn't get anyone else's um, trigger objects or, or anything that, own, that they owned or that they liked, um, that they were focusing on Murdy almost from the get-go. Um, like I said, I would have wished that Mustafa, when he was interviewing the grandchildren, would have gotten things from William, would have gotten things from maybe their parents, or, or found out other things. But, um, they do have trigger objects there, and then they decide to use a three-in-one meter, which, you know, they explain takes temperature, it is an EMF field detector, and then it's a vibrations, um, meter. And Brandon and Mustafa start out in opposite bedrooms from that landing, and they start talking, and um, Mustafa ta talking about Murdy's grandchildren, and then Brandon thinks that he possibly might have heard a woman's voice, he's not 100% sure, and then the EMF starts spiking and letting off noise, for their questions. <clears throat> and I I don't know what I think about this. Um, I wish they would have shown them doing an EMF sweep before. Um, they, I'm assuming they did it. Uh, I'm assuming they just chose not to put it in the episode. Um, you see Steve Gonzalez do this all the time in the original Ghost Hunters and in the new Ghost Nation. He tries to do a sweep of the area and say, hey, this is starting out at point two, this is starting out at point three, this is this is point two, this is point one. Oh, we've got a, a big spike over here in this wall. wonder if there's electronics because it's 2.5. You know, you see him doing things like this. We don't see Brandon and Mustafa actually, actually sitting down and doing that. So we're left to kind of assume that they did it and that these spikes are just occurring to their questions and they react that way so given that i have to to i don't i don't find anything 
wrong with it. Like I said, I just wish they would have shown that they did set a baseline and that these spikes are not naturally occurring in this particular area of the house. The next time stamp we see is um, 2.48 when Grant and Kristen decide, hey, let's bring Tony back as his own trigger object. Um, and immediately, again, Grant starts talking to Murdy. And they're sitting down and kind of having a conversation um, about, you know, things that Tony may want to know. Um, they tell him to be natural. And, and Tony says that one thing that he wants to know is why is Murdy just kind of lingering around. And um, Grant, being the great guy that he is, and the sympathetic guy that he is, says, you know, you may not get an, uh, a, you know, statement answer from that. You, you may say something like that where you get some kind of response. Um, because I, I'm hoping that Tony has watched enough paranormal shows to know that, you know, they're not going to give you a paragraph long answer. You know, they're they're going to be able to give you yes or no's or knocks or, or, or something like that, according to these paranormal shows. So, um, Tony definitely is probably never going to get an answer to his question, why is Murdy, you know, lingering on? Then it's like, um, Tony almost all of a sudden remembers, hey, um, the pitcher in this room fell down. And the look on his face, I, I, I watched it full through and then I rewinded this segment because I wanted to really focus on Tony in this instant. Um, because I don't believe him. I got a weird feeling about it. Um, I wrote it off to being kind of, I don't know, that um, he was from a different culture. Maybe he had uh, different facials or different, um, you know, it's hard being on TV. So maybe he's just nervous. Maybe he's um, scared or, or doesn't know what's going to happen. Fear of the unknown. Whatever. And as I watched it back the second time, and he tells the story of the picture above the fireplace uh, falling off and that um, he had a coffee table there, but the picture basically jumped over the coffee table and landed more towards the door over beside the couch where Grant was sitting, I was just, I don't know. Um, it was almost like a red flag went off like, Tony, it's almost like you're making this up. Um, and and it was, it was just really weird to me. Um, for those of you who don't know or haven't listened to all the episodes, I used to be a child protective service investigator. So I did forensic interviewing and 
got to watch people um, tell the truth, tell horrific stories, but also tell lies and make up uh, different excuses and reasonings for things. And so something about this just kind of set off like a little alarm in my head. Tony then goes on and, and Grant's saying none of this stuff fell off. And he says, oh, well, you know, the candelabras weren't there. But, but my, mom, my mom's picture was there. And as he says that, their tri-field tri meter goes off. And it only goes off one time. But it's enough to pique Grant's interest. And I like how Grant kind of handles this. As far as you, you can see it triggers him, he gets a thought, and he kind of then wants to explore that, and he asks Tony a little bit more about his mom. You know, what was your mom's name? You know, he says that it was Mary. It says that, you know, she passed away. She likes gardens. Um, but Tony then immediately, right after that, brings it right back to Murdy and says, Murdy liked gardens. Uh, my mom liked gardens like Murdy. And so... It's almost like he is the one trying to steer them towards Murdy. Whereas Grant has this, I don't know, feeling because the Trifield meter went off. Hey, maybe it's about Tony's mom. Maybe we have made a mistake. Maybe we need to back up. So we see them at 334 have a team meeting. And we're left to assume that they kicked Tony out. But um, he tells them about Tony's mom. He cautions them, hey, we're not switching this investigation over to Tony's mom. We're, we're you know, we're, we're not going anywhere. Because you can see Grant almost backtrack and think, we've been led down this path to believe this is Murdy. What if it's not? And I kind of feel for Grant because you can see it when he's having that team meeting that he really is cautioning them. Hey, um, this could be about something else. I wanted to jump through my TV, kind of shake Grant and say, uh, duh, it could be. It could be about a lot of different things. Let's quit assuming and going down these paths. Let's quit assuming this is murder. Let's quit assuming this is Tony's mom. Let's open this up. Um, <clears throat> I'm a, I, I, I did. I wanted to shake him. I, I wanted to get him to kind of wake up. But then, of course... They had the meeting at, like I said, 3.34, and then at 3.43, we see Brandon and Mustafa in the ballroom near the piano, and of course, they are talking about Tony and Mary, and they think, well, maybe we should talk a little bit about that. We hear their EMF spike, and they hear a sound at the top of the stairs. Now the sound that was heard by Mustafa and Brandon, it seemed to be almost like a click noise 
that you heard when Daryl and Grant were in there. I kind of wonder, with it being a ballroom, there being that grand staircase and then that landing, I wonder if there is a clock in there. Because that's almost kind of what it sounded like, was like a click that um, an older clock would make when it's going to the next minute. Not the tick, 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 tick of every second, but one where its hand is going to just the next minute. Then we flash to 414 of Daryl and Kristen in the ladies' parlor. And they hear, you know, the trifield go off, and they hear noises in there. <clears throat> That's the only time that we really see anybody exploring the ladies' parlor and really kind of getting in there, and it wasn't that long. I wanted to know a little more about there. <clears throat> Since they didn't show it, I'm assuming that not much happened in there, but I, I kind of did want to want to see that. The next thing is they flash back to Mustafa and Brian, and they're back on Murdy. You know, they've got Murdy's teacup sitting on the three-in-one meter, and they're asking different questions. And a couple of the questions involve Tony's mom. And so they're bringing Murdy and Tony's mom almost together, like they're intersecting. Because they ask, you know, is this Murdy? And the, the three-in-one meter goes off. They ask, you know, have you seen Tony's mom? Is Tony's mom here? And, and different things. And, and they're getting a question and answering session kind of going on that I, I found a little intriguing and, and everything. So, um, they do the, the reveal, and they're sitting there with uh, Tony, who gets a little emotional. Um, they tell him that, hey, we're empty-handed on the photo of the lady in the window. We, we don't know whether to call that paranormal or not. Um, they show him where Mustafa and Brandon get a woman's voice. They do not tell Tony what it says, but Tony says he believes it says here. And um, then, you know, you have Grant and Daryl and Kristen agreeing that they believe it also says here and that they think it means that someone is saying, I am here. Tony, uh, again, brings it back to Murdy. Then they give Tony a set of headphones and say, there's a woman's voice. Um, you know, what What do you hear? And they play it, and they play it, and they play it, and they play it. And he says, I don't believe they are speaking with a, an American accent. Um, and he says he thinks he hears the word mum. Or the word Mary. Um, I never really heard Grant or Daryl or Kristen say what they thought it was. Um, so I, I, I mean, I, we just kind of see them nodding their heads. I kind of wanted to know what they thought it was. And then Tony starts talking about how 
he's not freaked out anymore. And we, you know, we see, hey, this is a beautiful episode. Tony got emotional. He he doesn't understand uh, why his mom may be here, but maybe she just wanted to see his place and be introduced to it. And um, he kind of leaves it up in the air. Hey, I don't know whether to sell it or not. Well, I wanted to know. I wanted to know, hey, did Tony sell this place? Did he keep it? Was this a beautiful story? Has he had any more, um, you know, incidents or anything like that? I also wanted to know a little bit of history of the Pillars Estate. I wanted to know because I thought Tony was giving me red flags, I basically wanted to know if he had turned this in to a haunted place and was charging for it. Um, I couldn't find where there had been any other TV shows there, so I'm wondering if this is going to be on a new list of the next season of whatever, on whatever paranormal show, if they're going to go back to this. I hope not. Because here's where I'm going to get real. And if you haven't seen this episode, you need to turn this podcast off. But if you have, then do some quick quick researching. What you'll find is, one, I found a YouTube video of Grant getting on there. It's about three minutes long, four minutes long, saying that he has an update in the Pillars of State case, which is, oh, it's about a week Maybe after this particular episode aired, um, he is on YouTube explaining and thanking the fans for figuring out that um, there is no way that the photo of the lady in the window was paranormal. Because so many fans had wrote in that they had seen a meme with that exact face in it and he shows on the youtube video where he you take the meme and you plug it in and the faces match exactly he also shows a segment where uh daryl is out interviewing um two friends of tony's who stayed there over a holiday weekend house setting basically and they decided to go out and take pictures and he said you know he didn't notice it for a couple weeks but then he noticed this mysterious thing well supposedly tony didn't know about you know the lady in the window until he sent the pictures to his dad so does that mean that his friend that was house-sitting for him that gave him the pictures to send to his dad didn't say hey tony Look at this lady in the window I ca- captured. Are you serious? That that that's a joke. Um, so Grant on that YouTube video, Grant, if you're listening, I wish you would have just called out right on the YouTube video, Tony being a phony. Um, quick research also brings up. Tony has been trying to sell this house from late 2014 to to 2015. He started out, the earliest I could find was in 2014, asking a million dollars for this estate. 
Then he dropped his price in 2015 to 500000 And then it looks like in around 2017 or so, he drops it to 450000 So Tony's been trying to get rid of this place for about five years, maybe six or longer. Who knows? Um, it's also listed when you look at different real estate listings in 2014 2015 it says owner thinks it's haunted um it's almost like tony was trying to tell people it was haunted to get it sold um again when you look up there are articles in newspapers where tony has called into the newspaper and told them that he's having problems with this house that it's haunted and that he's trying to sell it so again in this episode who's fooling who here is ghost hunters fooling us is is this you know really one of those um as grant says at the beginning of the episode one of these people that feel terrified and is in crisis at the moment well no no it's not tony's not terrified he is wanting to drum up business in order to sell his house and has been doing that since 2014. Grant says he wants to leave them empired. Um, Grant, did you leave him feeling empired? Um, I don't think so. I think Tony was already uh, knowing what he was doing by trying to get a TV show here to the Pillars Estate. So, um, so did Ghost Hunters not do their research is mustafa not the excellent researcher that i thought he was or is he and they knew about this going in they knew that they had been saying this place is haunted for five or six years and they willingly went along with this is tony trying to pull something over on the public is this place truly if he's been haunted uh for five or six years why is he still living there um why is he telling a big story that this place is too big for him um it there are so many red flags about this episode when you want to do a little bit of research um if you go to you know the second and third pages of google you find like a menu where there um maybe was a, a catering service they were open up a banquet hall it seems like in uh, in the the um area that we see that is absolutely gorgeous and um is i mean i don't know any other word to say other than it it's just beautiful up there in that ballroom but they're trying to open up like a banquet hall um he there's a listing there of uh where people can contact and it doesn't say who, so I, I don't know that it's Tony, it could be someone else, but uh, to do private tours of the house or do haunted tours of the house. Um, I'm really wondering if Tony's wanting to still sell this. I couldn't find a 2020 listing. 
of the Pillars estate, so I don't know if he's still trying to sell it. Or like I said, is he trying to turn this into the next big haunted estate that everybody will, will choose to visit? I don't know. Um, I'm going to kind of leave this up to you guys. I want to know what you guys think. Um, you can write me at Paranormal Review Pod. That's uh, singular, not plural. Uh, no S. Paranormal Review Pod at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter under Paranormal Review. Um, kind of let me know what you're thinking about this. Because I find this interesting. Is this Tony pulling the wolves over Ghost Hunter's eyes? Or is this Ghost Hunter's um, deciding on this this actual location and not wanting to switch it after they do the research and they find out all this? Did they maybe shoot a lot more footage and it wasn't added into the episode which made the episode lean one way when it was more of a balanced type investigation i mean i'm interested in that if they shot more footage and it was more of a, a balanced investigation and they found out some other things but this is how the production team or a e or whoever kind of wanted this episode to go and wanted us to go down this path then hey whatever you know that's fine like i said i still find ghost hunters extremely you know engaging and entertaining but i am a little disappointed in this episode um Actually, I'm a little bit more than a little disappointed. I I am disappointed in this episode. Now, I'm I'm going to, you know, give episode three of uh, another try. We're, we're going to be doing that one coming up uh, soon. But I think I'm going to take a break on, on Ghost Hunters right now. And we're going to go to another show. And then we'll come back to Ghost Hunters. But is this... Um, how ghost hunters is going to operate is this how the new ghost hunters is going to operate like i said uh contact me and and let me know what your feelings are and what you think about it and uh i look forward to hearing from all of you and talking to you guys soon this is sam signing off